Noah, do you want to tell us what you just told us? Uh, the story about the Chinese marathoner who yeah. ran a 328 marathon, chain smoking cigarettes the whole time. One of my new heroes. Uh, you ran a 328? I didn't get that part of it. He ran a 328. Damn. Yeah. Hell yeah. I thought yeah. it was just that he completed a marathon chain smoking. <laughs> no, he's done, he's done it multiple times. He's also an ultra marathoner. I don't know if he chain smokes when he ultra marathons, but he does chain smoke when he does a marathon, regular marathon. Good for him. And, and no other time. Which seems a little weird, but you know, whatever. Is it like... I guess that's like... You, you're kind of... Now, see, Lenny and I are not runners. I ran... A ma- half marathon twice, which to me counts as a full marathon, a full marathon yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's that's the end of my running career. And you watched the heck out of the New York City oh, Marathon yeah, the other day. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, me, me and Noah. Noah was like, Noah was a really good sport watching the New York City Marathon the other day because he was like, "Hey man, you want to meet up to watch it?" And I'm like, "Yes," but I, you know, our significant others were volunteering in mm. the race, so it's like it was just the boys, it was me, Noah, and my son Charlie. And we were basically three chasing... non-runners. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, basically we were chasing him from South Park Slope to uh, Sunset Park because he did not have any interest in the race, and mostly was interested in going in bodegas. I think we did at least a five k just back and forth on Fourth oh, Fourth Ave. Yeah, we went from we went from Ninth Street on Fourth Avenue to basically Twenty Third Street about five times. So that is a race. Yeah, it it's is athletic at least. Yeah. Um. Uh, Speaking of athleticism, what up, y'all? <laughs> it's it's the what up, fam? How, it, you hanging, fam? Yeah, we're hanging because it's that four year. We're here with our, our returning guest, uh, Noah Davis, because it's that that it's been four years since it's the that last time, time of the decade again. Isn't that insane that it's been four years since we recorded our World Cup preview before? It's crazy. It also feels like it's crazy that the tournament is starting. I know. Six days. Like I was watching the yeah. EPL this weekend. And it was like, oh, these guys are all going to get on planes immediately after this game. And fly to Cutter or go on vacation, <laughs> um, and go and play. And it's like, I don't, I don't think I'm I'm not ready for it. I don't think anyone is really ready for it. I mean, it, it, like, is it something that you associate with like the heat of summer? That the weird like fall time gourd cornucopia type like vibe is not gelling with soccer. I mean, I think so. With World but Cup like, soccer, it's not a surprise. You know, it's like we've known that it's going to be this time for two and a half or three years or almost four years at this point. And yeah. so it's like. I feel like it shouldn't be as much of a surprise. I think it's more like the you get you get it like the cadence. It's like the domestic season ends, and then you have the championship final or the Champions League final, and then they have like two weeks, and the World Cup builds. I think it's going to be really strange where the teams are not going to have much time to gel at all, right? Like they have yeah. six days on the ground, and yeah. if got you know guys played Saturday, so they can't they're not going to pick up training immediately, and so you know I think like national teams are weird things anyway. And sort of, they don't play very much, and they need like, a lot of time. Tried, oh, sorry to interrupt you, but imagine if we tried to do that with American football. Like, imagine if they're just like, "Oh yeah, no, okay." So we, uh, there's not enough players from across the world, but like maybe if we just broke it up into like the 50 states of America, and we're like, "All, all right, all the players from California, stop playing for." Tom Brady yeah. has to stop playing for the Buccaneers, and he has to go back play for California. Like, <laughs> like we should do that. I, I continue to advocate for a World Cup, <laughs> a, a American Cup of the World of America. Yeah, I think that also, like, even if you just kept it soccer, um, have football games between like American football games between every state would be would be cool. But like, why don't we have a like soccer would be easier? Soccer is like this. I feel actually, like... you know what? The World Cup should be like the Little League World Series, where the team that represents America is the winning state. Oh, it would be like it only, that. Only every, works for yeah. that. Only works for America. Where we're this <laughs> and you have to be good at the sport. I think that we would struggle there. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Don't you think that if there was a, an extensive, okay, who do you think would perform better, the U.S. men's national team 
or like an all amateur like NCAA, um, like actually, who do you think would? Yeah, do do you think that like the men's national team compares at all to like the top D one team in the country? They would kill them. They would kill them. Murder them. It's it's yeah. so it's the same thing as like, I, I I mean I think that's a thing that is even accounting for the increased familiarity of a college team. Yeah, I I think across profession, I I don't I, I don't think people generally realize the difference between am like even high level amateur like Division One college basketball or football or soccer or the Olympics team. or the Olympics versus professionals and yeah. it's like it's a completely different level. Part of that is it's like that's all you're doing, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like I'll never forget I did a story about Brian Scalabrini who oh, was yeah, like you know, yeah. um, and White Mamba and we were talking about this and he's like you know people think that I'm a joke. And he's like, and that's fine, you know, whatever. But it's like, he was the, and, you know, people did think he was a joke, but he was the, he was like second all Pac-10 when he was in college. He's also like, I I guard Paul Pierce every day. Like, if I was not good at guarding Paul Pierce, they would find someone else who could guard Paul Pierce. You know, he's like, I'm not as good as Paul Pierce, but like, I'm good enough to make Paul Pierce work in practice. And it's like, that was really enlightening to me to be like, Oh right, you are so good and Brian so much Scalabrini better. Also, once said, "I'm closer to I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me by like many times." Yeah, I yeah. completely agree with that, and well, I think that's the thing that like you just yeah. you just can't understand. It's you the know? replacement level player theory. It's like yeah, it's like that like that idea of like okay, well, the last guy on a MLB NBA you know yeah. uh, professional roster is still better because it's like even and when you, we're trying to explain that to other people. I always get in this argument when I uh, like when European people try to pull that move like. Oh, American football, it's a bunch of like wimpy kind of stuff. And like, you ever get that? Like, it's kind of like the, the, I think they've walked away from that take. I think it's become, it, it used to be kind of like a hack take. That American football is wimpy? Yeah, that, like they, you know. No, I haven't heard that. that. Yeah, like they, or that it's like stupid and stupid. They're, yeah. they're stupid, yeah. yes. They're kind of right on that front. It but, makes you stupid, yes. But, but they, it, citation to Herschel Walker. Maybe the maybe next U.S. senator. Um, but like, you know, it, it looks so it looks so effortless and easy, and it looks not that like because American football. Uh, I American guess football so. looks like a car accident on every play. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. A, sorry, a bus accident. No, maybe I'm thinking of I'm thinking of that even like all professional sports. Let's say this: like people will see it, and with the ease, baseball looks and it's easy. If base, they don't know baseball what looks talking about, yeah. catching a 400 foot pop fly looks easy on TV in yeah. a major league. But put anyone out there that like would even. Well, that also that's like the, the by far the easiest part of that game. Yeah, like hitting okay. a pitch is the hard part. And right, right. But that's like, all. That's, making, it, a slick, that's my point. The easiest part of that game is incre- would be incredibly hard for even like maybe a, a junior level. Like I mean, most college outfielders could catch like a pop fly. That's like true. it's it's hitting pitching and it's like yeah. You know, being an amazing defender um, in infield. We're talking about running. Like, I see it with running. And, like, because running is numbers, right? And so, like, I think it's a little easier to compare. We watch the marathon. And, you know, like, a fast marathoner is running, like, 220, 230, Mm -hmm. which is, like, a 520 mile, right? Like, something around there. And it's, like, that guy who is... You know, a 220, like, New York marathon is... That's a professional marathoner. That's, like, a person who is making their living running a marathon they're still going to lose that race by two miles. And also like probably, you know, no one that we know could run a 520 mile, like yeah. maybe one mile at 520, yeah. you know, yeah. and like they do for 26 miles. And it's like, that's like a very good runner would struggle to run a 520 mile, yeah. you know? And like, you just start thinking about how far away they are. And that's like not even a person who's 
that person is never going to be competitive in a real world marathon. Right, right? right. And like they are almost untouchable on a mile long level. Well, so just, I, I want to, I feel like increasingly we're circling around the fact that I just said something really stupid when I proposed that, but I want to defend the reason why I thought that would be possible that a college team would be able to compete with the men's national team. Because although I accept that I'm wrong <laughs> because um, of the familiarity, right? Like they'd have better tactics and like their, you know, like chemistry, yeah. better chemistry. Yeah. And also comparing uh, the fastest people in the world to you're not comparing the fastest individuals. You're comparing like teams. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone on the U S men's national team, like, so do, would you still agree with the best players, Pulisic? I think so. Yeah. Where, where, like where worldwide do you think he ranks? Like, it's a stupid question. But where in the world, what uh, number of players is he in the world? I don't know. Like somewhere between 100 and 150, probably. Right. Like something around there. Right. So even to begin with, the best player in the best player on the field would be in that like ladder category that you were just talking about with running. And then add the fact that there's you know the increased familiarity and stuff. And also, the thing with basketball and football um, is that like size is so huge. And I feel like the size difference between like that, that advantage wouldn't be as stark or exist maybe between college and national team. However, I still accept that that was maybe not plausible. Look at Lenny walking back his take. I think one thing that's different about soccer too, is that soccer, I think is very much a game of who your weakest link is. You know, like there are very few players who can take over a game and like, like, you know, Messi and Ronaldo probably in his prime, although not anymore. But like, you're talking about like, three guys who can like you know maybe maybe a half dozen guys in the entire world at any one time who can completely change a game soccer is much more based about who was the worst player in your team and so from like the college comparison you know the 11th guy on a division one team is <laughs> going to be pretty terrible comparatively <laughs> in, in addition to all of the other problems but i think like i think that's, sort of that's a, a little bit why whereas like if you you know if you had a in theory you know i don't know if lebron had gone four years at college or something and he was like you know, there, he could probably do some damage against an NBA team in a way that no one in a college game really would be able to do on a soccer field, I think. It's funny because, like, well, I guess it's also, Lenny, you mentioned scale, and also just, like, looking at, looking at a LeBron who's just kind of like that kind of, you know, platonic ideal of a basketball player, I guess, like the size. It's funny when you go from watching college, college basketball to college professional basketball because it's like they're the same size court more or less, but the, you see just how long, much longer it takes even the better college oh, teams yeah. to traverse the court. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's damn. It's like high school. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like you watch Kevin through. Durant run down the court and it's like he covers that, ter- that right. ground in like no time. And it's the same thing in college. Like the, the scale and size of the players really becomes that. Right. Yeah. Um, um, let's actually, uh, so obviously we're, we're doing a uh, World Cup preview. It's been uh, four years. What a four years. I can't name, name a single thing that's like really <laughs> like, I, I'm, no, I'm trying to think about my, my soccer fandom because I've been actually so. Why don't we go around and talk about the level of following soccer that we are, and start with Noah because you were writing very regularly, professionally about it, and you still do occasionally. Um, what is your level of following soccer now? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I, I write this time four years ago. I was full time writing pretty much, and a lot of that was about soccer. I was doing stuff for ESPN and various other places. Um, now I do a little bit for ESPN and a little bit for the Washington Post. Um, a lot less volume. Um, I think I'm, it's nice. I've kind of been able to become a little bit more of a fan, I think not like a rah-rah US fan, but it's, it was, it's really hard to sort of take off the 
journalism hat when you're doing when you're doing it both kind of professionally you really shouldn't be a big fan um you know ethically and also just like when you're covering something on a day-to-day basis it just sort of like sucks the joy out of it in some ways or like it it, it makes yep. fandoms and I, I also think fandom is a little ridiculous anyway but that's a separate conversation but um as a fan of the new york Mets, <laughs> <I agree. laughs> yeah. you're, you're right i think there's you're, some, you're, yeah, that is the correct take yeah <laughs> i think there's some toxic yeah. uh toxic problems with being very invested in uh you know laundry uh essentially um but <laughs> you know i mean so i i guess i follow it as someone who sort of writes once or twice a month about generally about U.S. national team things, um, and I follow MLS. I really enjoy MLS because it's just pure chaos. I don't think the soccer is particularly good, but I think it's a fun, growing league, and I think like going to games in most of the cities is really great now. Except um, New York. Except New York. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think Red Bull Arena is a really underrated. Uh, yeah, it's although good. They can't, they except can't except fill it's in it. Except it's in New Jersey. Yeah, it's, in, it's, it's in Harrison. Harrison it's, it's completely empty. Um, and But I really like watching sort of the chaos of MLS. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and then I've tried to become a Nottingham Forest fan this season. Okay. Um, my FIFA team that minute. I'm playing on semi-pro is very, very good, and the team is actually horrible and very unfun to watch. So that's not going as well. <laughs> There's a guy from uh, the Barstool Chicago, like, people that became a fan of Nottingham Forest. Is that is there something that happened with that team that, like... Oh, I don't know. We, I was talking with a friend, and we were going to pick a championship team a team that was in the championship because we were really excited about, like, I think the promotion thing is cool. So I was like, it'd be really fun to, like, pick a team for this season and then root for them to get promoted. And also, because you can watch any game now on ESPN+, Plus, mm. and it's, like, it's just kind of fun. Um, and then we got really invested in this in April, and we got really excited about Forest because they have kind of an incredible tradition. Like, they've won a bunch of European championships way back in the day, and they, they have this, you know, really incredible fan base, and Sherlock Holmes is a fan. Um, <laughs> and then they got promoted, and we're like, oh, well, I guess we kind of have to root for them now. I'm, like, very invested in them. You got on the bandwagon too early. You got on the bandwagon too early. Yeah, you were like, you're like, these are the guys. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think they are sort of like them coming back. They had been out of the Premier League for... 20 years or something like that yeah. and they finally made it back and they went on this incredible run in the second half of last season to get them. how are they doing now like a few weeks into the season uh they are in 18th place which is significantly better than the 20th place they were in for a while they nice. beat liverpool so wow. that was fun are 19 and 20 the really no what is the relegation level 18 20 18, 18, 18, 18 19 and 20 okay, yeah so it's bottom three um okay. they're bad um but you know well, they're a championship league team yeah there's something fun about like you know, watching guys try to scrap out a zero zero draw at home yeah. on a Saturday morning when you're not doing anything else. So. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, uh, Brian, how much soccer have you followed the last uh, four years? Not a lot. The last I the last big soccer thing I did was I wanted I always wanted to go to a Premier League game and I achieved that goal in uh, December of 2019 uh, when I went to a Tottenham game in London. It was awesome. Who they uh, play? They played. Uh, Who they play? Villa? Yes, Aston Villa. Aston Villa. They played Aston Villa. They stopped them. It was the game where um, Son, is that, yeah, yeah. he scored that crazy goal. Kim, what's his name? Uh, Hanman uh, Son. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, him. Uh, he, <laughs> he scored like the goal of the Premier League, like the year. Yeah. Like, he, he scored, he like, he basically did a messy style goal from like midfield where he just dribbled through everybody and scored. And it was, it was awesome. And then after that, then the pandemic hit, and then uh, I could only. And then I had a kid, and then the so now the only remaining um, t- 
time I have left for the silliness of, of sports fandom is pretty much the New York Mets and actually the New York Jets now. I like soccer a lot. I would like to get back into it. And usually the World Cup is this kind of opportunity for me to like re-entry. I'm like, okay, I can, there's enough media coverage now that I can kind of re-familiarize myself with the major players in the league. Um, so that's where I'm at. I'm kind of trying to get, I'm trying to dip my toes back into soccer, but like a, a former guest of the show, also Lance Parker once said that it's like, as an adult, you can really only have one team you like, <laughs> and you can, you can pick one sport and one team and that's it. And if you have time for all these other teams, then you're not like, you're, not, you're, you're not an adult in the right way. Like <laughs> it's like, it's like you really, you have to examine your responsibilities to Yourself and others. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the economy yeah. becomes a lot tighter. Yeah, I I I also have um, not been keeping up with it that much, and I I guess I wish I did. Um, um, I think one thing that makes it difficult is just that there, you know, for so long it's kind of like with tennis too. Like I I follow soccer way closer than tennis, although I like both sports. And with tennis, it was just easy for a long time because there was a very marky marketable matchup between the top like three guys. And I think at some point it was like top four. Like someone tried to put Andy Murray in there once. Um, but, you know, you could just like be assured that like if you caught the latter stages of any tournament, it'd be like Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. And that made it easy to follow because you didn't have to keep up with that that much. And soccer, similarly, I think that like those amazing Barcelona teams, um, you know, Man City of late. Um, and uh, is PSG any good? I know they've like gotten a lot of investment, but are they like one of those Man City type teams that like is really worth following all the time? They're trying to be, but they're not. I mean, <laughs> actually, do you want to hear something that I... Only learned? the French should mess it up that bad. <laughs> During a pod, I was I listened to a uh, podcast about FIFA while I was painting my um, room. And um, apparently, in the in the annals of... Uh, the, the long, capacious annals of uh, FIFA corruption... One of the um, implications was that in order to secure Sarkozy's vote um, for, I think, Russia, no, 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 for Qatar to host the, um, to get France's like vote uh, on the FIFA board or whatever uh, for the Qatar um, World Cup, uh, one of the terms was that um, he's, Sarkozy was a huge PSG fan. They're like, we'll, we'll buy it, we'll make them good. And now Qatari owns, I think the Sovereign Wealth Fund owns PSG. <laughs> so that might have been like, it, or there's, it's plausibly a direct, like, that happened to buy a vote for the World Cup. It drives me nuts that America doesn't have a Sovereign Wealth Fund. I know, like, Alaska does, but, like, it's, why don't we have one as a country? If what, we would, have, what would we do? What do you think we, we would buy do every other team? We have more money than, like, like we don't have You this. want the government to buy a I want the government team. to buy a team. Maybe the Nationals. To nationalize like the Packers them. are owned by their fans, uh, kind of. Like, yeah, and, the, and the, the NFL uh, other owners passed that. a... No, they passed a rule yeah. prohibiting it. Like, yeah, that could never happen again in that. Yeah. 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 They, they do not want it to start being... That start being the norm. You're right, actually. I am in favor of that. We should do that. <laughs> but anyway, um, so my point is just that, like... It's uh yeah even PSG like with all the star power they have there 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 hasn't I feel like there hasn't been um the same level of like real condensed power that there was a few years ago um I think like the Erling Holland move caught my attention um but how is he doing He's doing great right He's scoring a million goals yeah that's awesome. He's going to be such a fun striker. To, that's the that's the kind of player that I love watching the World Cup. Someone who have like, like Lukaku last time or two time, two um, cycles ago. That was like his huge coming out party. Erling Holland. It's too late for his coming out party, but like those are the players that 
Who's it? Is there anyone? Is there a coming out? Do you, uh, have you been keeping an eye on anybody? That's who's who's going to have who's the coming out party up. in this? In or this Hamas up? actually? Hamas from Colombia uh, in 2014. That was his big coming out party. Yeah, he scored that great goal, right? Um, there's two guys, uh, Gavi and Pedri, who are Spanish, who are like young Spanish kids who play at Barcelona, and they're both teenagers. And I feel like that's probably like if someone emerges from this, it's going to be hmm. the two of them, probably. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still think like. Mbappe is known in the soccer world, but you know if France wins and he carries them there, that's like two in a row, and you're kind of yeah. like that's you start, and you're also you know he's 23. I was gonna say Neymar, he was 19 last time. Yeah, yeah like, insane. Insane. he's that young. <laughs> Neymar is 30. You know Ronaldo's 37. Messi's 35 or something like that. Yeah. So you're kind of talking about like he's the he's the next generation. If you think your prime is like 23 to 27 or something, yeah. like you know you're talking about okay, so this guy could have dominated the world since he was 19 to 27. That's three World Cups. Like, if he has a great tournament this time, like, you're starting to talk about all-time great like status. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, or immer- getting to that, like, this is how you get there kind of thing. Um, what what team does he play on domestically? PSG. He's on PSG, too? Yeah. And there's still not a juggernaut? No, because it's, it's, again, it's like the, well, I think one, like, the competition in France is terrible. So they they win the French league all the time. It's like they don't really have. See, they they, they don't follow the maxim of iron sharpens iron. <laughs> <These> <laughs> yeah, really French not. soft cheese. That's what they're, they're, they're just running through those guys like like nobody's business. But it's also it's like you get to that stage and you know City is just as good as they are. There's probably you know there's three or four other teams that are just as good and deeper than they are. And again, it's like it's it's not necessarily who's your best player. It's who's your worst player. And so you can have all the money in the world. And then, and also like, you know, Neymar and Messi and Mbappe don't get along. So there's all these. So you're saying that a D1, mediocre D1 team could beat PSG. Absolutely. Yeah. But only if they had like a really long preseason and did some good good bonding. (laughs) Only if they threw like the (laughs) sickest preseason party of all time. Yeah. And like bonded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Project X. Project PSG. (laughs) Um, Isn't that kind of like, I guess this is going off topic, but that's kind of like, isn't that the argument about like what, when the U.S. hockey team beat the Soviet Union and they're like, oh yeah, like the Soviet Union were the equivalent of professional players and the U.S. guys were just a bunch of scrappy guys from... I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if anything like that could happen nowadays. I mean, there used to be like, in my mind, and maybe I'm wrong, but the biggest difference in amateur versus professional, I think is American football, just because at least it's size and every dimension of skill beyond that. And there used to be, a, like, the Super Bowl winner and the national champion would play each other in an exhibition game after the season. Like, in the 70s, this happened. Mm. This was, like, in the same period when um, they had, like, a, uh, a TV special on ABC where the um, Steelers and the Cowboys participated in, like, a beach game. A beach sports competition, <laughs> beach football. No, it was no, no, it was like, um, like beach volleyball. Mm-hmm. They they had like a, a tug of war, for example. Like the famous example is that there was oh. a tug of war between like the O line of the Dallas Cowboys and the O line of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the guys who participated in it said it was the hardest thing they'd ever done. <laughs> and the video of it is insane because they're digging in, guys are like bleeding on the rope and stuff, and th- yeah, they sh- stuff like that used to happen. <laughs> so um, I, my point is like maybe like stuff like that clearly used to be possible. Like, well, it was like the, the, be- before the true articulation of the professionalization. Of yeah, sports. Exactly. It was like professional sports was still a little bit, maybe not in its infancy. It's an adolescence in the way that like, okay, you know, the same way that I don't know. You'd what used to watch like, like watching old footage of baseball players from like the forties. And then you're like, these guys would never even be able to touch like a fastball today. Like yeah. they would, oh, yeah. they would not even like, and like, 
the like Mickey Mantle would not be able to hit like a you know Jacob Degrom like like a hundred maybe Mickey Mantle but like you know like a, a regular player in the forties. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the comp. I don't. I don't want to go too deep into yeah. U.S. Men's National Team World Cup qualifying, but. I have talked about it with some friends. So when the U.S. qualifies, they qualify in CONCACAF, which is their region, which is you know North America and Central America, um, and Caribbean, and like some of those games in Honduras and Guatemala and Costa Rica and El Salvador, um, and Mexico is a little different because Mexico is is objectively like a better they have better players, but like the the other ones, like the games are really hard on the road in a way that is very difficult to describe if you've never played in them or like having been down there, you kind of see what they're talking about. It's like the fields aren't great. The fans are super intense. Like some of these guys who play in these European stadiums, like the fans are intense, but like the fields are really nice and that they're just kind of, you know, they're driving to the game. It's like a pretty easy atmosphere. Mm-hmm. A lot of the club stuff. Sorry, like, where are you talking? Like, like in like it, Haiti and like El Salvador. Yeah, People are like, driving. Like, to the, no, the- like I'm saying like, the the life of a European club oh, a club right, football right. player in yeah. Europe is like the games are intense but they're intense in a very different way than they're intense in sort of the Central American qualifying World Cup qualifying and, and also like the, the intensity of those games like the importance of those games because you know there's only there's only so few of them and like you really aren't shouldn't lose so for a while we like sometimes I would talk about how the U S should have um, an MLS base team that would qualify and all they would do is go down to those road games and play on those road games because there there is sort of like a in the past there's been a little bit of like mls teams and mls players they're a little one they're a little bit more familiar with a lot of those players because they play with them domestically because a lot of those guys like a lot of the costa ricans play in mls and two it's just like they play games sometimes with Concacaf champions league which is the champion the champions league european champions league equivalent of Concacaf. like those guys you know houston dynamo will go down and they'll play a road game against the honduran team so they're like a little bit more familiar with that and i do think there is an argument you could make that it would make sense to kind of have like a Concacaf away qualifying team that is primarily mls based and was really familiar with each other and also like winning those games and getting a result in those games you need to play a very different kind of soccer than you do to like go to the world cup and that's, you know, the world cup's going to be a little bit like the quality's going to be a little bit higher. Like the intensity is going to be a little bit higher. Um, but just like, you kind of just don't need to like scrap it out as much. And sorry. So what is the proposal? It's for a le- a separate league. No, or- just like a separate group of guys for world cup qualifying. kind of like your division one answer. And like the reason the division one answer guys would be good is because they'd be like a really tight team. Oh, so, so you get these like be separating the best players from like the domestic league and just putting them in this like roving team to go to the, but just for qualifying, yeah. So like when you had when you had a qualifying game in Honduras, you'd be like, all right, Pulisic, like you just you stay, you stay in Europe. Like we're we're, we're, we're sending yeah. we're sending the MLS guys because they have like a, this like they know how to win this game in a way that like oh, so you I wouldn't see. take your best players kind of. So we just, we just need like a bunch like that's like our enforcers just like kind of, like, <laughs> kind of a little bit. Yeah, like, 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 basically like I'm picturing like Predator like that's the the like crack team that goes into the jungle yeah, yeah. and like i don't, I don't want to like take away from the skill of the mls guys but like you know a lot of them some of them are not as good as the european guys like i think that's just a fact and it just like they're just more familiar so it's like that's kind of the idea of the D- division one comp but i thought that that kind of effectively happens already with like the b team like i saw a game one of the best soccer games i've ever seen in person was um haiti versus the u.s and it was i think it was the equivalent of the usc team um, and it was like a very young Stuart Holden and, um, oh my God, what was the, uh, shit, the, uh, Charlie, um, Davies, Charlie Davies. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. He was playing in that game. 
Um, and he was clearly the best player on the field. And it was like the C team, essentially. And so that was, I don't think that was qualifying. I think those are friendly. But um, do they not do stuff like, are you just saying kind of that approach, but for actually qualifying? For games? actual qualifying games. Because yeah. you're implying that like the environment in Central America is so harsh that you'd rather have like slightly less like on paper skilled players in order to have better cohesion and like used to the elements. Like Graham Zussi, I don't know if you guys know who Graham Zussi is, but he would be the captain the last, of that team. Uh, cycle. He's the last cycle. Yeah. Graham Zussi is like, he's a good player. He worked his ass off. He's just, he's not an elite international player, but he would go down and he would be great in these games because he just like understood how to grind and how to win. And then I think he's the kind of guy who, if you put him in the World Cup against England, he would probably get exposed because he's a little slow at a, you know, at the top, top level. Like he's not quite there in a way that, you know, you have a right back. You, you wouldn't want to put him in a right back against England, but you put him in a right back away in Honduras and you're like, I'd much rather have him than Sergio Dest, who's going to start against England in mm. um, in Qatar. Is he the ponytail guy, Zussi? Yeah. Yes. I really don't know. As far as that does well in the humidity. Guys, I'm like, man, there was a time in my life where I really knew, like going in, and kind of like this goes back to our theme about talking about being kind of unprepared or caught off guard by this, because I'm like, I know Pulisic, and that's the only one. I knew, <laughs> I, I knew Zach Steffen too, but he didn't make the team, did he? He didn't. That's a real let's big do surprise. That. Let's go into that. So let's do a team breakdown. Um, so, yeah, I was expecting, I thought, like, okay, at least I know, like, the keeper. Because, again, like, last time I checked in, there was, like, the Tim Howard era when there was a, a mainstay. And then, I guess Brad Guzman didn't last that long. So, what happened to Zach Steffen? Um, first thing, just to your point, one of the reasons you don't know all these guys is because they're all super young. Okay. Like, they're, I think they're the second youngest team in the it, tournament. It, 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 it is the youngest team in the yeah. tournament. By, oh, cool. And their, their average age is under... It's under 23, 24 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's under 24, and the average for the rest of the World Cup is like 27 yeah. plus. Huh. Like I think DeAndre Yedlin is the only one. I mean, they didn't make the World Cup last time, so it's not, I guess, right. too much of a surprise, but he's the only one. Maybe who, that's also why. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, it's it's, if, I if you haven't been paying attention the last, even the last like two years, you yeah. probably don't know a lot of the guys. Like, there, there would be at least one holdover, like, marketable guy from the last one, but since they didn't play that yeah. one, it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm Wesley completely... McKinnon made the team, didn't he? Uh, Weston McKinney? Yeah, Weston McKinney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And he's the guy, I think, who would have been in Russia if they had made the World Cup because right. he was, like, right on the cusp of breaking in. Um, he's, like, the central midfielder. Okay. And Yedlin and um, who's the um, the other, like... Is he... Tyler Adams is the other guy who would have made the World yeah, Cup. Tyler, yeah, He played for I the New York Rebel. Now. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, do, do, like, a breakdown, I guess, of the team, like... Um, it was in Brooklyn, wasn't it? Like they had a, like yeah, a, a Brooklyn reveal. Steel. Yeah, they had what a reveal party. It's pretty weird. I watched oh, it. They yeah. had it on ESPN, <laughs> and it was did very LCD strange. They did not. They did not play. No, I'm sure James Murphy got some money for it somehow. But no, yeah, they had a reveal party. But of course, you know, two thirds of the team plays in Europe, so they did the reveal, and then like one of the goalies walked out because he's the only one who's not in Europe. And then they did the defenders. And, That's how you know he's good. And two, two, <laughs> and two of the defenders, two of the defenders walked out and the other, the other five were playing in Europe. Um, so the story was Zach Steffen. There's still a bunch of Jets fans there. They're just booing. Cause like <laughs> that used to happen with the NFL draft, yeah. like just booing every yeah. team in the commissioner. <laughs> um, so Zach Steffen was the presumed number one goalie for quite a long time. And he played with Greg Berhalter, who's the coach mm. at Columbus crew. And Berhalter was the coach of the crew and Stefan was the coach. Uh, the goalie of the crew. And then Stefan got bought by Manchester City and didn't start because, of course, he's not. But he's the backup. Um, 
And then, but he, he kind of for like, probably like three or four years now, there's sort of been this undercurrent of like, Zach Steffen is actually not maybe that good. Um, and sort of like bubbling up for, from various parts of the internet. And part of that, so the counterpart to that too, was that there's this guy, Matt Turner, who is another goalie. He's an Arsenal, right? He's an Arsenal now. He has a crazy story. So he played baseball growing up, didn't start playing soccer until he was 14, didn't take goal kicks because he didn't really know how to kick the ball until he was 18, like until his senior year of high school. Went to Fairfield University, and I don't Hell think... Yeah. Jesu- Jesuit school. Yeah. I don't think played until maybe his senior year there. Ended up on the Revolution and just sort of started dominating MLS. Huh. And like like his his metrics for the two or three years that he were in, M- his M- that were in MLS, his advanced metrics were like off the charts. And huh. everyone's kind of like, this is like the best season that anyone has had. In soccer. He's a soccer savant. Yeah. And I mean, analytics and soccer are like pretty complicated and, and weird and don't really work all that well. But I think one thing that they have figured out is like because goal, like shot stopping is like either the ball goes in or it doesn't and mm. you know where the ball was shot. So it's much more like baseball analytics where it's like a one-to-one relationship, mm. right? So it's like I think the goalie analytics are a little more predictive and kind of the true was, than some of the other stuff. In the, yeah, in exactly. the way that the goal was missed, the goal right. was blocked. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, it's like, like I shot from 18 yards and either yeah. I scored or I didn't. And like yeah. whether he saved it. So like all of the like expected goals saved and stuff from Matt Turner were off the charts. And people were like, this guy is like one, like Stefan seems like maybe he's not very good. But even if Stefan is good, Matt Turner is actually significantly better. But because Matt Turner played baseball and no one knew who he was and he played for the new England revolution kind of didn't. And also I think there's a little bit, I mean, I think Burhalter understandably like felt more comfortable with Stefan cause mm. he's known for a long time. Um, and they had a good relationship and goals. they had a good relationship and like Stefan is not a bad goalie. He just like, and he, um, makes some great saves. Um, so Matt Turner, you know, a lot of people were saying like he really needs to get a start. He finally ended up getting some starts and then they had kind of this back and forth of who's the number one, and it was pretty clear that Turner was a better goalie. Burhalter kind of kept saying that we have two number ones, but in games it really matters. Stefan would get the call. And I think people had thought like Turner was probably going to be number one in the World Cup because he's he's now at Arsenal. He's not starting for Arsenal, but he's played in a bunch, bunch of cup games and played really well. And Stefan is now at Middlesbrough, where, which is in the championship because he needed playing time and he has not been very good mm. even there, yeah. even there. And he also just sort of makes like horrible critical mistakes, yeah. which <laughs> is really not what you want out of your goalie. Yeah. You know, like it's fine if like the goalie doesn't make the spectacular save, but you really need the goalie. Like to, Rob like, Green. In yes, that. exactly. Um, and one of Turner's worst Actually at parts, the time I was a few following West Ham very closely when that happened and he was an amazing goalie for West Ham. Yeah. And I know why he was starting for England. The last time we played England was that game where, um, like, a, I think a defender just like passed it back. It was an own goal. And, yeah. yeah, it was an own goal. Yeah, it was, was an own goal. Yeah, I, 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 he, he got done really dirty because he's actually an amazing goalkeeper. But anyway, go on. So, yeah. Um, Zach Steffen was making mistakes. Zach Steffen was making mistakes. One of the knocks on Turner because he started playing soccer so late was that his feet weren't very good. Burhalter plays a, plays a style, and I mean, most managers at this point play a style where like it's pretty important for the goalie to be able to distribute from the back. Mm-hmm. So, one of the reasons that. Turner went to Arsenal was to get better with his feet because they play that style as well okay. as again like most most people do. But yeah, so Turner's gotten a lot better. It with is his soccer feet. after all. Yeah, right. yeah. exactly. Um, 
So Turner was probably going to be number one, and then Stefan was going to go, and then they were going to have some number three goalie who's there right. just as a cheering squad because yeah. the number three goalie. Like, if you get to your number three goalie, things have gone very poorly. In any of those kind of positions, the number three guy, that's like that's where I want to be. The on Kyle Orton. Team. Yeah. That would be like great. You get to do all the fun stuff. If they win, you still get a ring, or you get like a, the, like, yeah, like uh, the like, backup catcher. Yeah, know? backup catcher. Yeah. Mike White on the Jets, the guy who's the third-string quarterback, who came in once and, and <laughs> accidentally beat the Bengals, and now he's like a, he has, he's a living legend. And then he just goes back to the bench. And it's like, Tom Tupa. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Tom, he, wasn't he on the Jets? Oh, Tom was... Tupa. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's another one. Yeah. Um, uh, that, man, that's a real that's a real callback. Yeah. But, but yeah, so... Um, Wait, what were, what were you, we're so, that, so Turner's going to be number one, Stefan's going to be number two, and then yes. Sean Johnson or Ethan Horvath are going to yeah. be the third goalie. And then like two days before the roster release party at Brooklyn Steel, presented by whoever it's presented by. James Murphy's dropping his... Who does make the team? Please go to the Four Horsemen afterwards. They like Someone sort of leaks out that Stefan is not on the team at all, which turned out to be true. Um, and it's really a shock, I think, to me, like probably the biggest shock of the roster, more because of what I think it's, and I actually think it says good things about Burhalter. I think one of the knocks on Burhalter as a coach is that he um, is sort of, he wants his team to play in a way, a very specific style, and he has all this stuff about like uh, disorganize the opponent with the ball, and he has he says things like game model a lot and hmm. uses a lot of analytics, which I think is good, but also you know, whatever he uses it too much and it's just sort of like. But you he's got like you got to play the game. These numbers guys are yeah, taking over. Exactly. <laughs> You're the WFA caller is like baseball, <sighs> baseball, soccer, soccer. You can't you can't write the numbers out, man. <laughs> but, but he's very like focused in his ways and not necessarily as pragmatic as he needs to be in this sort of thing. And I think a lot of in his game model doesn't necessarily suit some of his player skills, um, which has been a detriment at times. And, but I think leaving Stefan off the roster is a really good sign in terms of like his ability, his willingness to show flexibility in the world cup and a tournament that really requires like flexibility. Doing and what the data actually dictates. Do, not or, even doing what the data dictates, just doing like what is good for your, like it's one thing to like have a style and want to play that style. It's another thing to have a style and want to play that style and be like, we don't actually have the players to play the style or like our first 11 guys can play the style, but yeah, we don't have a backup left back who can do that. So like if our left back goes that, down, it surprises me though, that given that they don't have that much experience, like the thing that you would need is a like glue guys in the locker room just for the, just because it's a young squad and also be, if you, this like wonder kid who's going to start goes down, why would you not want a Zach Stefan like stepping in as a backup? Either? See though, I would see, sorry to step in on this, but this is, this applies to my Mike white style thesis of coming in because in the small sample size of a tournament, you kind of just want to maybe be flexible and just get that guy who's like, maybe somebody's on a hot hand or they're on a, like they're, they're just like, you okay, still start, start. Um, what's his name? Matt Turner. Matt Turner. Matt Turner. Yeah. Yeah, keep but, the other guy on the yeah. bench. Yeah. I guess that's a good point. I don't know. Maybe it's like, I, I would think that like, it's like, Oh, let's just go crazy. Like, it's like, it's already disorganized and it's already even like in a November as opposed to July. These guys, like Noah said at the beginning, it's like, they were just playing like, a bit, yeah. like it's a different like rhythm to the schedule now. So like, why don't they, why don't they just? I don't know. I'm I'm all for the the pick the crazy option. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I would say two things. To that I would say one. I don't think that 
Stefan is particularly a, like a glue guy in the locker room. I don't think he's. Oh, I don't think he's a bad guy. Him, probably. But I don't. But I don't think he's like. He's not one of the leaders of the team who you'd be, bring like as your third goalie to keep things together. I think that's very much Sean Johnson, who was mm-hmm. the third goalie. I also think um, Sean Johnson and Ethan Horvath at this point are better goalies than he is. So I think you're not like. Gotcha. I actually think the the risk in dropping him is you kind of make everyone uncomfortable because you're like, well, this guy got us here. Like this guy helped get us here. So this is kind of the reward he gets is he just gets like yeah. shot on. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's actually an incredible photo of, uh, Stefan from the, there's a game before it was before the roster was announced, but I think after he knew that he wasn't going to go and it's the 46 minute of the game and the ball's on the other side of the field, he's playing and he's just sitting with his back on the post and someone took the shot, and this was before anyone knew that he wasn't going to go. And they tweeted it out, and they're like, seems like Stefan has just sort of taken a break. And, like, the poor dude just looks like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. You know, he just looks so sad and so miserable and, like, completely alone just how the shot is framed. And it kind of, like, after everyone realized that he wasn't going to go to the World Cup, it was like, oh, that's He's practicing that's, sitting that's literally. Why. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you, have you met Greg Berhalter? Berhalter? I have, yeah. What is he like dispositionally? Do you think he's, like, a very, like, motivational rah-rah guy or, like, quiet nerd um <laughs> and there's no there's only two no, those are the only two poles yeah that. <laughs> exactly um i think he's pretty like not rah-rah in an, in an annoying way but i think he is pretty i wouldn't say he's super he's pretty like enthusiastic but also very intense like i could see how if he got mad at you it would be very unpleasant um but I think he does know that this is a young team and he has, he also, you know, that team was pretty shattered after they didn't qualify yeah. and he, yeah. it took him way too long for him to get hired because everyone knew he was going to get hired and it took yeah. him a year and they just sort of flapped their wings. Um, yeah. But he like has molded, molded this team and I think he's done a very good job of bringing sort of a sense of community to the team and like a sense of togetherness to the team and done a good job of recruiting a handful of dual nationals who could have played for other countries. There's a guy, Sergio Dest, who plays for Barcelona. He used to play for Barcelona. Now he plays for Milan. He could have played for a bunch of different countries. He's a nut, but he's a great soccer player. Uh, Yunus Musa, who's this 19-year-old kid who plays for Valencia, who I think if you're I've looking heard of him for, too, yeah. I think if you're looking for like a star, if the U.S. does well, I think it's gonna he's gonna be the breakout player. Um, yes. And he's a central midfielder. He could have played for. He was born in New York, but could have played for. A, bunch of different countries like i think in a different scenario with a different coach like neither of those guys hmm. come and play and those are two really? guys who are going to start and probably like you know of the top they're probably two of the top five guys in terms of talent on that team for sure like so um maybe instead of doing like a just position by position breakdown because that would like we're already running long but what are you watching for um in the tournament from the u.s team i think the simplest in answer probably is injuries like I, I really do think they have like so there's a guy Anthony Robinson who's actually also a dual national who probably would play for, maybe would play for England although I don't know he's not maybe not quite good enough but he's he's a left back and the way they play is that the wing backs really get up the field and do a lot of the offense so you know they kind of play like they also play like three in the middle um like t- two center backs and then sort of rotating one, whatever that's too much tactics but Robinson gets up the field and he overlaps with the midfielders. He's the only one on the roster that can do that. Mm-hmm. So if he gets hurt and he has had some injury issues, um, although it seems like they've actually, the U S team has had a lot of injury issues the last couple of years. And it seems like they're actually healing in a really nice way for this. So hopefully that stays up. 
But like, if he's not on the team on the field, they have to play a completely different way, and I'm not sure that they can because the I'm not sure. Falls like, apart. it yeah. just falls apart, and yeah. I just don't think that. Again, I, I I worry about the flexibility of Burhalter mm. and like just the team's ability. I think they train you know for this way, and I think Burhalter hoped that a second left back who could do this would emerge, and that person didn't. So <laughs> is the left back playing like a point guard role, like a distributor, like a Xavi? Not really, no. But just like Anthony Robinson is super fast and really athletic, and he just like gets all the way up the left side. Like he just runs up and down the left side of the field, and because he's so fast, he can recover. So when they if they lose possession, he can sprint back. Um, so he's not really a distributor. That's that's more. Um, Musa is a really good. He's a really good dribbler. So he sort of distributes by dribbling. Uh, Giovanni Reina, who's Claudio yeah. Reina's kid. Yep. Um, he's probably the best sort of like creative passer and dribbler on the team. Um, and then Pulisic also like he he doesn't do a ton of. I mean he's he's also a guy who beats people off the dribble first. Um, so they don't really have kind of like the traditional like metronome midfielder yeah. type. They sort of have a bunch of guys who can get into space. And it's really like the the offense is really created by like the, the backs overlapping and then putting crosses in. And I saw that they um, – or I read an article that said that they don't really have a true number nine. So what are they going to do to try to create offense then? It's just panic, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so there's the sort of original – Starting forward, I guess, for the team was this guy, Josh Sargent, who was 22 or something and was in the EPL last year and was just bad. Just yeah. didn't know what he's doing, just looked lost and was bad with the national team. I like him a lot because I think he can kick the ball harder than anyone else on the team. And I think there's something that's like stupid about that. But like Holland does that, too. Like he can just kick the ball so much harder than anyone right. else. And it's <laughs> awesome. Um, that's my Josh. That's my deep Josh Sargent take. <laughs> he's really good at kicking the ball. Um, and so, and then, so it's, there's Sargent. He's a guy like hard that, kicking. Yeah. 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 We're, we're trying to figure out which country is the best one in the world. Exactly. <laughs> Mexico or Portugal. Um, <laughs> Lenny, I don't want to make you work extra hard, but I want you to splice in that clip. Aranchanga. Bani Agatu. Bani Agatu. Yeah, sorry. So he's gone to Norwich City, which is a Champions League, or the Championship, which is level below the Premier okay. League. And he's had a really good season. So he's confident. And then uh, there's Ferrara, who plays for SC Dallas, who is neither big nor strong and also doesn't really seem to score, but he get, he gets in position, really good positions to score. And so I think there's that, too. He plays a totally different kind of style. Like, he's going to come get the ball. Okay. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. And then there's, like, Weston McKinney is the kind of guy who has a really good sense for crashing late. Okay. So he scores a lot of his goals on – you know, kind of either like crosses that will go long or like scraps in the box. He's sort of a kind scrapper. Kind of catching the rebound, being the kind right place like for rebound. like that, yeah. yeah. And like he's really good in the air, so corner kicks and stuff. I mean, I think, you know, ideally they'll score a lot on set pieces. The U.S. has traditionally done that to mm. bring up the defenders and, you know, they have, they're pretty good in the air. So what is the style that we can look forward to? Like a very, like it sounds pretty transitional because they don't have like, a super strong like for example I remember that when Josie Altador was they were like trying to start yeah, him it's so funny he was you're calling these names Mike Davies and Josie Altador I'm like damn <laughs> like it is like a little uh, like it flashes back to a time where I had like I was deep in like yeah, yeah. yeah. Whole, I, yeah I, like, I was kind of what Noah was saying before like we also it was like more emotional prep for the World Cup than we have now yes, you know yeah. it really did sneak up on us there, there, I feel like there's a reason they don't set this type of thing in the winter even winter sports don't have their any big events 
before Christmas because there's everything else going on. Like yeah. it's objectively a bad idea that FIFA is this corrupt and let this happen. But um, yeah, like that when they when Josie Altador like he he was someone who I think like needed. It seemed like he wasn't really that good at creating. He kind of like was waiting in the you know box and stuff, and so you could tell that they were gonna like try to just like distribute it into him. But it sounds like what you're saying is that they're gonna be a lot of defense uh, playing up. And not a very super strong for like front line, so it's a lot of like midfield action. Like what? What? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would say that. I mean, I think it's also like you know what they're good at is kind of like these quick interchanges. Like when they're playing well, that's what's happening. It's like it it is quick, and they're you know running up and down the flanks and getting crosses in, or they're beating one guy off the dribble and then looking to see, you know, cause the defender will come up and looking to see what's what kind of space that opened up. It's a lot of diagonal balls. Um, so yeah, I mean the defenders play a pretty high line, which I think could be a problem because again, this is the thing, a criticism that I have would have of Berhalter is that he wants his defenders to play very high. And so the, the issue with that, because he wants possession, he wants to kind of, increase ramp up the pressure so you know the the defense the central defenders are there to get the ball and then distribute the issue with that is that it's there's a lot of space in behind so you need someone who is quite fleet of foot to <laughs> you get can't back. get caught with your pants down right. right yeah there's a guy miles robinson syracuse guy Cuse. who was going to be the starting defender towards achilles he was he's like the you know this is a prototypical like if only Americans' best athletes played soccer, we'd be really good. Like he is one of those guys. Yeah. He like is an extremely good athlete, super fast. Um, Torres Kelly is not gonna be there. The U.S. doesn't really have another defender in that model. But so now, so now you're playing the system where, you know, hopefully they won't get pretty exposed. Right. But like, if I was a opposing coach and I was watching film, I would be like, all right, so their def- their you know center backs, their starting center backs are Aaron Long, who's Good with his feet and good in the air, but not super fast. Mm-hmm. And probably Tim Ream, maybe, who's hasn't even been on the team for the last year because he was written off and but had a great has having a great season at Fulham and is really good with the with his feet and in distribution, but is thirty five and is also not particularly fast. So it's like, yeah. You know. I feel like I feel like Fulham is the landing place for Americans that aren't that like that good but You're saying that because of Michael Bradley? Uh, yeah, Michael Bradley and there's it's just always like I don't know. Fulham was always the team that I knew they weren't good, but I knew about them because it was always like the, an American player would go over there, and they're like a Premier League team, but always like close to the bottom anyway. Dempsey, like Dempsey one of the bad there. London yeah. teams. You know, yeah. Like, like, Dempsey, yeah. yeah. Um, and then and Walker Zimmerman is the same way. Like he's a guy. He's good with distribution. He's great in the air, but he's not that fast. And so there's like those are your three center backs. Mm-hmm. And you actually saw that they played a warm up game against Japan, and Japan I think is actually a team that plays exactly like the u.s wants to play and the u.s pressed and japan was not scared of their press because the u.s press was a little disorganized and didn't work and japan was very calm and then they beat japan broke the press and just kicked the ball off the field and then ran onto it so there's a vacuum behind the defense like, yeah, were able to yeah. Exploit it. would it benefit from like a sweeper keeper like a neuer like is that because then it would theoretically cover more ground maybe but there's so much there's so much space you know like the the center backs are so so far up, and so I think a smart team probably would just not would avoid I think that. Japan but. has the sickest uniforms. I think they do. They do have cool uh, yeah, yeah. cool kits this year. But their flag, they I, have an origami on it. 
they were waiting awesome. for him. Yeah. Nothing but sorry to sorry to get away from the tactics and get back to the more aesthetics of the I game because that. it's we like it's there. the beautiful game, dude. It's the beautiful beauty game. away. I'm invested. I bought myself a Team USA jersey to get because I got really? I caught soccer fever, but I got the blue one because I knew that if I was in a scenario when I was at a bar, the white one is definitely going to get covered with either <laughs> yeah, beer or a beer and or something that I'm eating. So I wanted to, you know, I know myself. Let's go through the um, the groups real quick. Um, so okay, so. We, I think we covered basically like um, the, the, the sounds like there's absolutely nothing but question marks from the U.S. side. Um, I would believe anything from they lost all three games to they went to the semifinals. <laughs> Iran, honestly, is, Iran think, is not a bad team. No, they're, they're like number twenty in the world. Right? Although they, it seems like they're maybe keeping some of their players who are pro democracy. So I do think that may hurt them. Oh boy, <laughs> they're like yeah. not. They're having like they haven't announced their team yet. I don't think because they're trying to figure out who's allowed to go. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. Because they're like, uh, we need some of these guys to help out with those executions for the people taking <laughs> off the uh, job. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Right. They yeah. they just sentenced a bunch of people to. I wonder if they're going to actually. Is that do true? That. Did that really happen? I mean, the fake Western media showed me that. I, I assume it's true. I don't know if they're going to. They the the what we're referring to is that there was like pro or, I think after the protests against the um girl who got killed by the police for not wearing a job well enough or something, uh the. The like authorities sentenced fifteen thousand people to death. I don't know that they're going to kill fifteen thousand. I don't know anything. I, I, that I seems just, hard. That's one of those things you see and you're like, nah, <laughs> probably not. Um, okay, yeah. but but the team is good. I mean, depending on how many of the citizens are allowed to play on that team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, totally. Anything can happen yeah. in the group. Um, I think you're probably joining most people in predicting that they will finish second, right? I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you had to, but like, I really, I mean, if I put percentages on it. Probably like twenty percent first, like twenty five percent, thirty percent second, twenty five percent third, twenty five percent fourth. Like I think, yeah, I think yeah. England is very vulnerable. Like their attack is great, but their defenders are garbage. So it's like, you know, U.S. could get a goal and then they tie. Or you know, I like I think England is pretty beatable, and I think England is pretty beatable by any of the any of the three teams. Really? So you're group. not considering England a, a World Cup favorite? No, England is never a World Cup favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that in That's 1966, or did you know that there was no African teams in that cup because um, FIFA was trying to stay essentially a European colonial institution? Really? <laughs> yeah, they they protested. Apparently, according to the podcast that I listened to about FIFA's corruption, the story of FIFA is basically that they went from the worst of the European world, which is like again explicitly like you know colonial racist. Um, to the worst of the third world, which is just rampant corruption, <laughs> and they did not have just any, like the, the pale no beat in between. Sack of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pale in a sack of money. Yeah, yeah. be the king of the kitchen. Um, well, I'll tell you this: if they get out of Group B, um, Group A is a very inviting matchup because it's Qatar, Ecuador, Senegal, and the Netherlands. That's a very um, yeah, any of those teams. I feel like but, yeah, that that's an that's a group that you want to be matched up with. There's um, one death group. There's the one that has Spain and Germany in it, and, and Japan, and Japan, yeah. and then the. I know, I know that because I I'm in a World Cup pool, and then my number got drawn, and guess what team I got? Saudi Arabia. Any of no, those? That would have been the worst. That's my okay. So we actually, oh, um, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Yeah. The, the the other team in Group E. The, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently Spain is also is like resurgent now, right? Yeah. Like they have the two kids. Uh, the ones you mentioned, yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, and then Germany's just Germany. Uh, and Japan also is like good solid team. It would be great if Japan could get out of that group. I think that'd be really. I'm rooting fun. for. Yeah. I'm rooting for Asia or Africa to come through. I want one of those two. Yeah, I think I Asia, it's that. more likely Asia comes through. I think I in this that. case. But like, uh, I Japan would be. Yeah, 
Especially if I find out how sick those uniforms are. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, seeing the origami in the finals would be amazing. Yeah, I might be buying one of those. Don't tell Meg. Um, let's see. Group C, we got... This is pretty straightforward. I think it's Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. I will, The one thing I want to call out about this is that I'm going to be in Chicago for the Mexico-Poland game, and I would love to go... That's a great Chicago watch. matchup right yeah, there. Well, my, yeah. I, I texted my uncle earlier today about this because he was saying that... You know, those are two huge groups in Chicago. And um, he said that like when they were young... They would go to. It, you did not want to be around when Mexican, like you know, the local, like guys, not like the national team and stuff, but like um, teams from Mexico would play teams that they'd fly in from Poland, or like you know, local guys would be playing um, groups of Polish guys and Mexican guys. And there's always like enormous brawls. <laughs> so I might try to get myself killed watching that game. Um, but it seems like Argentina and I would assume Mexico have a pretty easy path out. Um, Poland has never been impressive. Like, I don't think Mexico is that good though either. But what does Poland have? They have Robert Lewandowski and like that's who else? That's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. What? How old is he? He feels like he, that guy. I think he's our age. Really? Which is old. I mean, yeah. We're old now. Yeah. yeah. I think he might be a little bit younger actually. Um, and I mean, also none of those teams are that good. Argentina, I guess, like they have a younger generation coming up, don't they? Yeah, I think Argentina might win. Nice. This the World Cup. Cup. Yeah. Wow. Why? I don't know. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. <laughs> Why not? It's fun. They made the World Cup. I think they're. I think they're one of the favorites, actually. Interesting. Like... Messi's also having still a resurgence season at PSG, right? Yeah. He's so good. <laughs> That's another chemistry. It's also like it's his Can last. Can you say more about that? It's his last time. Yeah. Right. Like you know. No, I mean he's just. He like. He just still does things with the ball that no one else can do. You know. I mean he's. He can score from anywhere. His control is really tight. He like has never really dominated games with his physicality. I mean, he never dominated games with his physicality. He didn't really dominate with his speed either. You know, so it's like as he gets a little older, it's like all the stuff that was he was good at. He's still good at. You just like move him a little bit further back on the field and let him kind of dictate the game from there rather than from further up. Yeah, that's funny though. With Messi, back to the, like the conversation we have about like not no team chemistry or whatever. Is that I remember my when I was lived in Argentina in 2007, like I lived with a family, Argent, Argentine family and the host mom, she's an older lady, but she was a soccer fanatic. She was really into like, and I was like, Oh, what do you think of Messi? Cause at the, that time he was really, you know, it was the beginning of his career early, early enough on in her career. She's like, you know, I don't feel as comfortable with him. Cause he does not like, cause he's not really, yeah, he was born in Argentina, but he was also the first of that generation that was like, like they moved him to Spain, like almost immediately. And he, so they're like, He's not like culturally ours a little bit, like yeah. and like and as opposed to Maradona, obviously very Ar- the most Argentinian. Like, like, yeah. yeah, that guy is the like he is just a avatar he's a piece for, of steak. Yeah, he's just yeah he's a he, yeah, exactly he's, he's a, a he's a, a, he's a uh, you know gaucho um, and, and uh, he's a cocaine gaucho. Do you remember when that uh, that I think it was the twenty four no it's twenty eighteen it was last time when they had. Um, some like program where every game FIFA like paid some legend from that team's history to be in the stands, <laughs> and Maradona was just drunk every game, and he yeah, wore like these two awful. humongous watches on each wrist. Yeah, like, it was so funny. But anyway, it's just like one of those things. There's a curiosity about Argentina <laughs> where it's like now that was like, an interesting like fandom transition or whatever. Yeah. So it would be interesting. Like I thought they would be so psyched up on him, 
But even I guess she was an older school kind of fan too, though. She was just like, "Well, he's not really like he's kind of an." I feel like I, I bet if you talk to her now, she'd have come around on Messi. I think yeah. it's changed a little bit. I think he's I think he's invested a little more in that relationship, and mm, I and it, also they won like they won the Copa oh, America, true. and yeah, I think finally. that like so like him bringing one home, they're like, "All right, now like it's yeah, we were like we thought he was kind of like also he's messy like." I feel yeah. like also I, I, my understanding of like the Argentinian soccer culture is that they're extremely big on like loyalty and um, they're so okay. This is an interesting story. Um, this summer, Italy played Argentina in a game that I forget the. Do you remember the name of it? It was like a one-off event. It was the winner of the Euros versus the winner of the Copa America, okay. and I was like, "That's cool." And Argentina won, um, and it was right around the time that the um, Euros were happening. Or wait a minute. What maybe last summer? I don't know. Um, but I was like, why do they not do this game all the time? Because I never heard of this. And it makes sense. Like the winner of the two continents play each other. The answer is that they used to try to have it all the time, but the European teams stopped wanting to come to South America to do it because it was usually in Argentina or Brazil. And when it was in Argentina, there would be massive violence visited on the players. Like the there was one story of and basically just like Players visiting Argentina, it used to be just simply not safe. And um, there was this one story about, uh, I think, like, Roma. Like, a, it was a club a club champion from Europe versus the club champion from South America. And it was, like, some Roman team versus, um, like, I don't know, one of the River Plate or something. And um, is that in Argentina or Brazil? River Plate, yeah. 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 And one of the star players on the Italian team was Argentinian. And they were so pissed at him for being a traitor that they were at like brutalizing him on the field, like very kicking him and like making him bleed and stuff. And he eventually was essentially crippled on the field. And then when they carried him off on a stretcher, um, the police arrested him for some like <laughs> trumped up charge. And it was all just because he was seen as a traitor for playing for the you know against the Argentinian oh, team. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that Messi has a stayed with Argentina even though he it's not really his is yeah. pretty admirable and also the fact that he has threatened to stop playing internationally and continued for like at least two or three tournaments at this point I think probably wins him some credit among the yeah, population it is wild I don't know well I don't know that kind of fit, tying, tying in back to the theme that is a correct observation about uh, I went to the Super Classico the equivalent of the Subway Series of so River Plate versus Boca Juniors when I was there and River won by like five goals, so they they like kind of ran up the score by halftime. So, but it was in River Stadium, and I was in the section that was like right next to the visitor section, which is sectioned off by razor wire. So all the Bo- Boca Junior fans were in there, and they like basically at halftime they just started just taking, just kicking off the seats off the side. Like they nice. just they were just kicking the seats off, and then they were kind of made out of that like cheap plastic so that they. They just tossed him like frisbees down frisbees, onto the lower yeah. level, and I was like, Fatal frisbees. "I was like, well, I got what I paid for in this <laughs> and I'm still alive too, so that worked out." But um, should we um before we go, are we, go, are we almost done with the groups? Should we do the high low weirdo thing before? Let's just get done with the groups first, yeah. and then we'll we'll go into high low weirdo and, and then wrap it up for this okay. cycle to to meet again in four years. Uh, group D is France, Australia, Denmark, Tunisia. That seems like. Not that interesting. I feel like, what, can Australia get sneaky? You got any faith in them? No. I don't think so. No, I also, I don't want to ruin my high-low weirdo, oh, yeah, but I really that. I really like the Denmark team. Okay. Really? Okay. Well, we'll come back to that. Um, let's go to Group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, Croatia. Um, that could be interesting, actually. Um, I mean, Belgium and Croatia, I think, are the two clear standouts from that, but um, 
I have a I have a soft spot for the Canadian team because I know someone who like was instrumental. I, I very ancillarily know someone who's who was like instrumental in building up the Canadian soccer program. So I feel I, I hope that they're well. What a name drop! Yeah, <laughs> someone. Well, the person passed away. So. Um, and then Group G, we got Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. Bunch of cupcakes, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Brazil will win that group. Brazil's got it. Yeah. See, who, I feel like that's who's going to... Right, Cameroon coming through there. I feel like this African... See, that's the thing. Of, like, they could sneak through. Like, they could yeah. beat Switzerland and Serbia. I don't just don't, don't know anything about those teams. Um, does anyone... anyone nobody, wanna... nobody knows anything about these teams. Yeah. All right. Does anybody, here, uh, Brian, who get, order these teams, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. In, in, in there, uh, how they're going to finish. I say Brazil, Cameroon, Cameroon, Cameroon Serbia, okay. Switzerland. He's here. Even though I feel post. like Switzerland might be... I'll do that. I'll stick with what I had. Serbia... I feel like Serbia and Cameroon could be a corruption playoff. That could be like <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of like shady stuff that goes into both yeah. the countries. A lot of like hash gets moved through both those countries. That's just, that game's gonna be an auction. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Group H: Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, Korea. Um, uh, Portugal, Uruguay. Uh, could Korea get sneaky? Korea, like, I feel like Ghana. Black Korea, Ghana. I don't. I don't think Ghana is very. Ghana is the last ranked team in this, in this okay. World Cup. Got missed the last cycle too. Not that the FIFA rankings really mean anything, but yeah. Um, so well, I feel like I remember all I have fond memories of Ghana because I remember US beating them, like going up early on them in a goal in a previous World Cup, and that was yeah. a really fun time. Well, they're going to go through. I mean, like they're going to be playing that shitty Group G that we just mentioned. So, like, I feel like any of those can get to the round of eight pretty easily. Um, okay, cool. So the, very even. Like, I mean, there's that one. There is a group of death, Group E, Spain, Germany, Japan. It's only a group of death by dint of the um, how good Japan is. So it's actually pretty like not uh, there's there's not that many interesting storylines in the group stage really. What are you talking about? USA versus Iran. <laughs> like, well, in our group, yeah, and, yeah, and I mean like yeah. no, it, and England, our first enemy in our last, and Poland, Mexico. And- <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. All right, but, so let's do high low weirdo. So for this one, we'll do. Um, uh, the team that you would, um, I, I, what did we say? Like, it's going to be the, your favorite to win the tournament. Yeah, let's, the one, well, the one you're high on. I think high can be interpreted whatever way you want to do. Well, it. low, okay, low has to be though the team that you still think will do well, but you don't like. Because if it's just the team that you think will do worse, then that's like half of them. Well, it's just, or can I just not like them for yeah. whatever reason? Team you think is the best, team you like the least, and then your weirdo team. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go no go no, no 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 go first. Guess guess go first. I think Argentina. I think Argentina is gonna win, but my understanding of the high that was that team that I like, so I'm gonna go with Denmark. Go with the white okay. team. Yes, um, high is like the team that you think is gonna be good and like. But, so but, I actually have two. I yeah. Denmark. I think the Christian Eriksen story. I don't know if you guys remember this. In the Euros, he collapsed on the field. Oh, yeah, and had yeah, a yeah, cardiac yeah, arrest yeah. or cardiac yeah. incident. Yeah, and it was one of the most horrifying things I think that's been on live television in a very long time. He's now fine okay. and playing great. And like leading them, and I think it's just like a really. He also seems like a just an incredibly nice guy. It's a good story. Um, so I'm really rooting for them, and also, I really I don't want to steal your thunder, Lenny, but uh, I love the Canada team. All really, right. yeah, that's All awesome. Right. I uh, Lenny's not dropping that name again. They, I think I know. Lenny knows the guy, the yeah. guy who's responsible for that. I think he, again, he he is no longer alive, but yes, I. All right, <laughs> Alfonso Alfonso Davies, who plays for Byron and played in the uh, Whitecap Vancouver Whitecap system for a while, okay. uh, is incredible he used to have a youtube channel with his girlfriend who's also a canadian superstar soccer superstar and it was amazing they would just like wander around and shop in berlin and then they took it down for some reason i don't know if they broke up it was really like i was like these people are 
shockingly famous and just wandering around like doing their day which i love watching that's not why i like them but i do i think he's great um i think that team is a lot of fun you're talking about like again like talking about a team that is probably much more than the sum of its parts like that's canada um i think mark mark anthony k is midfielder he's great the only issue with them is that their goalkeeper is this guy maxine crapeau who won mls cup because he stopped a breakaway and broke his leg and got a red card so he got a red card got kicked out of the game but did save the goal because he took the guy down and then lafc won in a shootout because his his sub came in and stopped three or four of the penalties so i'm not entirely sure who their backup how do you break a leg stopping no he's like stopped the guy like, he, oh. he, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. full like you know yeah. karate kid leg chop, <laughs> a Ty Cobb style like a, yeah. like a flying yeah. dragon kick. Uh, okay, cool. cool. And, and then who's your um? No, let's do, we'll, we'll do highs. Let's do highs first. Oh, highs. Okay, cool. Do highs first, then we'll do lows, and then we'll do weird. So I'm gonna do my highs by nature of being in a stupid World Cup bet that I have to be in. I guess I'm high on Costa Rica. Yes. Uh, just because you know, I honestly. Costa Rica too is like one of the Central American countries. They they kind of stay quiet. They're they're it's known for their zip lines. You know that's kind of like, so if they come through and win a couple of games and surprise people, which I don't think they're going to do, but that that could be a fun storyline. They line. have a great goalkeeper too, and like you could do worse at one of these knockout tournaments where you there have you a go. great goalkeeper. There you go. Yeah, that's a, remember that time that we almost beat Belgium because Tim Howard like got like basically pummeled to death. Um, that was a great. That was a good time. Uh, the other high I'm feeling. Uh, you know, what? I'm going to say Japan. I feel like I want I want mm-hmm. Asia. I'm rooting for Asia to get, like kind of come through. I want them to go deep. That would so be cool. and I feel like Japan is a very root. Like I don't know. I like I, cool flag, cool jerseys. <laughs> it's one of the best flags. It really is. Uh, this is not a Japanese person, but has anyone seen the Jeremy Lin documentary on no. HBO? No. Recommend that it's fun. I would really like that. I remember Lin Sanity. This, oh, this town was crazy with <laughs> yep. Sanity. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, anyway, so those are my highs in Japan and Costa Rica. Um, my high is I'm gonna go with. Um, I, I really want, like, I, I have to. Uh, Croatia, I just think, would be, like, cool. I, th- I like the fact that they, like, their national story is cool. I probably am speaking, saying something bad because I'm sure they have a hideous nationalism that I'm Yeah, don't tell that to the Serbian team. But, <laughs> well, maybe they'll play each other. Um, no, they won't. Damn, they probably did that on purpose. I think they actually, FIFA does actually have a method of making sure that certain teams, like, cannot play each other until, like, yeah. a very low probability, like, final, you know, like, uh, round showdown. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. Like I, I know I've heard someone talking last cycle about how galvanizing it was that like this team made it this far and like you know they're really a young country and so that's cool. Also, I'm just gonna say England. Like I know no one else in the world likes England except for the British, but I used to be a big Anglophile and I think that that team like I, I'm not really into the whole big like bring it home or it's coming home thing, but I don't know. I just think that like. It'd be cool if they finally won the World Cup. You want, an ex- so you want an excuse to listen to the Who more? Yes, <laughs> that's what I need. That's not, that's what I need. Yeah. Um, let's go low. The teams, I know, which I, I think we're interpreting as a team that you like the least or that you're rooting kind of against, yes. right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go England. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, perfect. Not because not I don't like, I actually do like a lot of the players in there, but I just, I just feel like they are... I think they may not get out of that group. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but it just feels to me like... They, there's three, there's three teams that they're going to overlook and they're going to lose one of those games and tie one of those games and win one of those games and two other teams are going to go through and then it's going to be chaos. And also it's like, I think there's something fun about when the England team really underperforms dramatically because everyone gets extremely mad. Minus all the racism. The racism is, is bad. But yeah. The- no, that's true. Yeah, you're right. I probably shouldn't like, because they were so brutal to their, 
young uh, penalty kickers last time, but I don't know what they were thinking either, like what Gareth Southgate was thinking with that. But anyway. Okay. Um, Brian, uh, who are you rooting against? It was easy. Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did 9 11. <laughs> like, no, so, like, in the slam dunk, like, not even a question. They're the worst ones. That's so annoying that they're on there. Hey, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Saudi Arabia, they're at, get out of here. Get out of here. I mean, because I feel like Saudi Arabia is too. I feel like Qatar, as much as they probably do a lot, they do a lot of evil shit, obviously, but they're kind of like more like the fun cousins. Saudi Arabia is like the straight up evil. Like they're really bad. Like they like they do really. Qatar, bad. Qatar's like the like rich girl who wants to be like. Yeah. Like they will just spend money to try to buy friends. Yeah. Exactly. Or like or, or to make it a, le- a less gendered criticism. Like there's this kid that I went to middle school with who like was not cool, but at the time Abercrombie was like supposed to be cool, and so he just bought all Abercrombie. Like just dropped all of his parents' money trying to look cool. Yeah. That's guitar. That's guitar. Yes, exactly. But, but anyway, that's what. Do you still have any, Do you still have any of those shirts? <laughs> yeah, I used to have to load up on uh, pop collars, like three pop collars in a row, um, and my uh, corduroy flip flops. That, yeah. Um, and okay, I'm gonna just gonna go to Germany. I don't. Nobody, nobody needs to be rooting for Germany. So. That's right. They got enough. They've yeah, got they they've, they've, enough. They've, they've won enough. What more do they need? Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, and then you're weird. Wait, hold on. Can I make one more yeah. joke about that? Well, this lame reference to a Reddit comment I saw, but it was like a re- like an economics Reddit comment where it was like, uh, sound lame. I uh, know. It was, I know, cool guy coming, incoming, but it was basically showing the primary trade partner of every European nation by like flag. And like the German flag was every, like the most net export GDP was from Germany. Nice. And it's like, son of a bitch, they did it. <laughs> like, they, like, it's it, it took them an extra 60 to 80 years, but they, they The took EU over. was constructed to stop Germany and they couldn't stop Germany. They, could, they can't stop. <laughs> But so I think that who will stop Germany will be Squint Costa Rica. Let's go. That's who's going to stop Germany. Okay. $1 bet on that probably wins you at least like 5K. <laughs> probably. I should just do that. Yeah. Who's uh, your uh, weirdo? Who's okay, like weirdo your, dar- your dark horse or like, I guess like beloved, you know, how are we interpreting this? Like, I would say weirdo to me is like, what could like, I don't know. Weirdo is like, what's the storyline that could be kind yeah. of funny or interesting. All right. Track like that. It also yeah. tracks with what I was going to say. Uh, Senegal. Oh, nice. awesome. I like. I think Group A is kind of strange because because Cutter is the one seed. So like the way they do the seeding is that Cutter, Ecuador, Senegal, Netherlands. Yeah. So they put the seven best teams and the host in one pot. Okay. So like that's why you have you know you have no offense to Cutter, but they're not one of the eight best teams right. in, the, in the world. So like that that group is pretty strange. Um, and. Senegal, one of their best players, Sadio Mane, hurt himself. One of, another thing we didn't hear, talk about is injuries and how many freaking people are right. injured, which I think sucks and is going to be really depressing. And all these guys are going to tear ACLs. Um, but so he's probably going to miss the tournament. But he also made the roster because they're going to have a witch doctor come in and try to cure him. <laughs> yes. So I'm rooting for that to happen, and then Senegal to get out of the group and then go and. All right, so they're going to win the group, play U.S., who's going to finish second in Group B. That's when um, Saudi Amani comes back. What's his name? Saudi Amani. Saudi yeah. Amani. Yeah, I have, what, he's on a. Is on Chelsea or something? Uh, he, I know. I know he plays in England. City, I think. City. Yeah, and then the other um, Gulf state-owned team. I want every now. I want every and beat the witch doctor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I want or some kind of like we need like you need the kind of you like, might, it might be like a universal life church thing where you can just get it. Oh yeah, that's true. 
Um, all right, I'm looking into this. All right, who's yeah. your uh, who's your? Well, now I know it's kind of convinced me on Senegal because if Asia can't do it, <laughs> then I want Africa to get some some love. Uh, but my other weirdo, I guess, uh, Uruguay. I like Uruguay. Yeah, it's cool good country, like that. small country. Went there. It was super fun. They're kind of like the the beach country of like South America, and that like I think that would be really fun if they put put one up. They're kind of a weirdo country, but they're they're nothing but good vibes getting from Uruguay. What was your thing, Noah, with Denmark? Ericsson, Christian Ericsson. Oh, oh, you already talked about him, yeah. right? Um, let's see. I was going to go Ghana, but I, I thought I thought they actually were the best team in Africa. But then you said they were the worst. No, I feel like Ghana's evil. The so. Black Star makes me. Get, they, cool. they need a. They have an evil witch doctor. Senegal has the good witch doctor. Right. Exactly. They have. Yeah. Ghana is using like like evil magic. I think I actually messed up and was going to make Canada my um, weirdo. So I guess I'll just go with that. Um, any of the yeah, I mean like realistically, any of the the countries that experience colonialism i want i'm just root for like because why not like yeah. they're gonna it would be so cool and those people like i just want to see like a, a shot from like you know a, a group of people watching it in one of their one of those countries and like them going nuts like, yeah i love that yeah. stuff yeah so i kind of have two feelings about this i think it's gonna like the world cup is either gonna go really chalk and like just all the favorites are gonna win or it's gonna be super weird Nice. And I don't think there's anything kind of in between. No in between. I like the odds of, of that prediction. Let's get, being I'm rooting for weird. I'm rooting for weirdo yeah, all the way. So weird, yeah. Across this it's Christmas magic. I know. That was the other jarring thing about it. Do you know that John Hamm was like the... John yeah. Hamm is Santa now? Yeah. yeah. John like, Hamm is everything. I know. Yeah. That guy's... He's screaming. You guys see the subway ads for Violent Night? Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. With David Harbour or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That... I love that. <laughs> I just... I just <laughs> That's what we need more of. That's why all the New York Post readers are scared. They're like, see, even Santa's yeah. committing crimes. <laughs> Santa then used to commit crimes, not only Giuliani. Yeah? <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> all right. Uh, um, I thought we were going to... Um, I forgot to look up odds for this, but I was going to play... The some lowest bet. odds are... I think Costa Rica and Saudi Arabia are the two lowest. Do you want me to, Okay, well, let's no, I, was, I wanted to. I wanted to play this a bet that I, I thought that a, a South American team was going to get... And I'll include Costa Rica because why not was going to make it to the um, finals. What about a non-European team? Yeah, I think non-European team is probably... What do you, what do you think the odds are of that? Like, uh, well, non-European uh, teams... Plus, well, it's got to be... It, like they, non, they, non-European they, team, I'd say, I don't know, one in plus 200. Yeah. Okay. okay, that's pretty good. Maybe. Take, I, would, I, I mean, I would take those odds. Like, And what about an all-non-European... Final? Final. That well, that'd be odds. tougher, because then you're basically like... Probably need like Argentina, Brazil, and yeah. I don't even know. I don't. It has to be South America. The, like, I mean, I guess I think Uruguay. I don't know. Let's see. Got the odds somewhere. Suarez is still playing, right? Uruguay. Yeah, the, Uruguay's good. Uruguay plays Brazil in the in the second round, so or like probably. Uruguay's kind of got like we were talking about Costa Rica, and like it's really fun because it's like a small team. Like Uruguay's right. got like four million people or something. It's like they yeah. it's like a very similar vibe. But, like let's go to Montevideo. Um, it rocks. I've been there. It's yeah. It's it's, it's awesome. Cup. It's really cool. It's like. They, uh, it's very much like yeah, it's a beach town. That's a country. That's like that's, that's you can take a, an hour. It's like the boat across from Buenos Aires is like an hour, and it's like um, yeah, you can get like rent Vespas really easily. And all right, so we got odds. The winners: Brazil's plus four hundred, Argentina's plus five hundred, and then wow. the next ten, eight teams are all European. Yeah. All right, so actually, that's actually, not that's not as bad odds as I thought of a South American team. So yeah, I mean nine, ten teams because. Croatia, oh, yeah, Uruguay, yeah, yeah. Uruguay. Okay, separate. Yeah, so Uruguay like, sneaks in there. Of the top fourteen teams, three of them are South American, and yeah. thirteen of them are European. All right. Um, so, 
do you still want to take this bet at uh, plus 200 uh, that um, your colonialist vision will be realized and you'll keep the um, southern hemisphere out of the finals? No. The southern cone. So you want, you're rooting for the... Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Fine. I'll take that bet. Right. Yeah. I'll probably... Because right. then the like... Yeah, I'll take that bet. Let's do it. <laughs> um, in the old days, we would have done Bitcoin. Um, I don't know how much Bitcoin I have left anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's, all, it's all on FTX. It's all, yeah, it's, all, yeah, it's, it's it on its way to South America right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right, well, let's wrap it up. Noah, um, Noah Davis. See you in four years. Yeah. See you in four years. Definitely. Thank you for joining us. Well, and, when, um, it's, when it's a super group of USA, Mexico, and Canada hosting. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. That Canada, Canada and Mexico get eight games each, and the US gets 100 games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That's fair. It's fair. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not to mention the championship is at the worst stadium we have. Where so, is it? MetLife. That's where the stadium, that's yes, where the, the final is going to be at MetLife. Yeah. At least it's in the summer they blew next it. time. They assumed it was in New York. Wrong. All right. See you guys in 2026. Bye-bye. Peace. Bye.